Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Good morning and welcome to Community Connect with Ed Wiener and Greg McHenry on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We were also streaming live at all the W's ocrfm.org.au. I'd like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung people who are the traditional owners of the land that we are recording on today and pay my respects to their elders, both past and present. And the chat we're going to be having today is about Dying to Know Day 2020. And uh, we once again, we're doing this via Zoom, Edwina. We are. And so we're keeping our uh, physical distancing because of what's happening with COVID. And this is creating an, a way of us having our social connection and also enabling the chat we're going to have here today. And once again, uh, Naomi, Naomi Latiri, we've, we've been in a, meeting a lot of late, but today you're here, you're joining us as the community liaison nurse from Anamkara. To, uh, and you're in, in a way, you're auspicing the Dying to Know Day, I understand. So g'day, how are you again, Naomi? Thank you. Yes, uh, thanks so much for um, inviting us along again and um, allowing us to have this really, really important conversation um, around Dying to Know Day. Dying to Know Day is an annual event which happens Australia-wide and it's really a really important day for us to have the opportunity to have a conversation about uh, death and dying and to help people feel um, a little bit like it should be more of a normal conversation, a socially acceptable conversation versus a taboo conversation. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to try and reach as many people we can to uh, have, a, have a nice open conversation about things related to death and dying. And, and so we had a good think about what would be useful and, and um, interesting for people and perhaps some of those questions that people don't tend to ask until they uh, throw it into the midst of it. And, and today we decided that it would be wonderful to invite the Geelong Cemeteries Trust along um, to have that join us in a conversation around death and dying and what they do and how they support people who uh, have a family member who has died. Um, okay, so, so who have we got from the Geelong Cemeteries Trust then, Naomi? Uh, so we've invited along Daryl Thomas from the Geelong Cemeteries Trust to join us. He's the CEO of um, Geelong Cemeteries Trust and we're very grateful that he could give us some of his valuable time today. I believe he's got uh, a, a lot to, uh, to do today. So we thank you. Thank you so much for coming along and joining us on Zoom. That's a pleasure, Naomi. Thank you for having me. And it's nice to meet you, Daryl. And you too, Greg and Edwina. <laughs> And you, 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 so here we, because we're on Zoom, we do have the benefit. It's a bit different from being in a studio, but we can see that you've got someone there sitting with you, and you're at a, you're at your, um, is that your director's table or something there? We're we're in the boardroom at the Geelong Eastern Cemetery. Yes, and I have uh, I have Ashley Hoy um, with me. Um, Ashley is our executive assistant for the Geelong Cemeteries Trust, um, and uh, basically makes most things happen. So uh, we're pleased to have Ashley here too. Right, I've got to make a, quick, a comment about with what Naomi said is about people talking about dying or whatever else. We we must not, let's say at some stage about the two inevitables are death and taxes. People don't like talking about taxes either. But why is it that 
why is it we have a difficulty talking about death so much, do you think? I think it's improved a lot over, over recent years. When I say recent years, probably the last 15 to 20 years, it's got a whole lot better. It's not as much of a taboo subject as what it used to be. Um, uh, this dying to know day is a, is a classic example. We have run um, a couple of events last year, and we would have been running one in Colac this year on dying to know day, um, living, living and dying well. It's, it's um, known by, and it's really having lots of different speakers come along to a venue and talk about the subject of, uh, of dying um, and dying well um, and, and the right way to, uh, or the, the, a nice way to go about arranging your funeral, the, the services that are available, the um, support that's available out there for families. And I think um, you know, that's that's been really well received over over the time that we're doing it. We've run three of those um, now, so uh, obviously we've had to cancel the ones we were going to run this year, which is a great pity. However, doing something like this um, will help fill that void as well. So thank you very much for uh, for allowing us. Daryl, you're at the end of it. You're at the point where people are. Well, they're past, so how do you come into it beforehand? Well, with pre-arranging funerals, um, that's becoming a lot more prevalent today. People um, are a little bit in, a little bit more inclined to pre-plan so that their families don't, uh, don't have to guess what they might have wanted. Um, they, uh, they go ahead and pre-arrange it, and that's obviously... They've been doing that for longer with funeral directors, pre-planning pre the funeral on that side of it. But nowadays, they also um, come to the Cemeteries Trust and pre-plan whether they want to have a burial or whether they want to have a cremation um, and what cremation memorial they might like, what burial. Over the years, um, you know, we have, we have a, a vast array of, uh, of memorial options that, that families can choose from today. So by pre-arranging, pre um, you get to choose what you would like for you, not what somebody else might think you might have liked. Naomi, how does that come out though? It's, I, I immediately think in a way about um, people having to plan. Yeah, one of the first things you want to do is use maybe advanced care planning as part of your wishes as to what is going to happen, A, towards the end of your life and B, once your life has finished. So how does, you know, that's something that I just immediately thought of. Yeah, I think um, advanced care planning um, is another element, isn't it? It's another important element of uh, people wanting to take control of their end of life plan. So more we see people um, that want to have that control, but also take the pressure off their family and friends or the people who would otherwise be responsible for organising things like this if they um, feel conscious of being a burden. So we just see more people, um, certainly in terms of advanced care planning, doing that and perhaps documenting and then moving forward to, to actually proceed on planning funerals and planning um, actual burials and what their um, burial or cremation wishes might be depending on um, their own personal feelings and preferences, I guess. And there is a wide range of options out there now. And I suppose 
uh, people are being more opinionated about what they do want, um, particularly uh, where there's a variety of services actually available. I can remember when my mum and dad were alive, they planned their funeral and they bought a plot of land in the Heighton Cemetery and they had what was called funeral bonds. And I don't know if that happens anymore, but um, uh, yeah, and they didn't want to be cremated. They wanted a, a resting place in the ground where they had a lovely plaque and we could come. If we wanted to, we could come and visit uh, their gravesite. So tell me a bit more about that. Do you have funeral bonds or how do you go about this? There are, there are still funeral bonds um, around Prairie or you Nowadays, your money is, uh, is, is pretty safe. You, when you pay a funeral director now, it's, it's, they've got to look after it in a proper, in a proper trust fund. Um, so it's, it is safe. It's always going to be there. With, when you prearrange um, our part of it with the cemeteries, um, you have complete safety with that because we're government backed anyway. We can't go broke. Um, so your money is completely safe if you purchase. The beauty about purchasing and prearranging and so forth is once you've paid, um, there is no more to pay. It doesn't go up. It doesn't matter what happens between the time you prearrange and the time you pass. Um, there is no more to pay. It's all it's all done and completely finished. So um, there is some distinct advantages. Um, it's it's also not it's not um, what, do they, what do they call it? Mean it's not means tested either. So that also assists some people with uh, with their pension options and so forth. So there's there's several um, benefits out of that. In the pre-planning, Daryl, or actually you haven't had a, a chat yet, in, in the pre-planning, <laughs> how does it go with you in being able to talk to people? How do people, what are people like generally when they're coming to you? Is it, is it a, is it age, is what sort of age group you're getting nowadays or is it just, just the oldies when they think they're, they're about to get on the wrong side of the grass that they start preparing? What do we do? When, do, when should we start preparing? When should it start? <laughs> well, people are doing it any age, really. Um, a lot of the time, when once somebody has passed away in the family, then they will, the rest of the family then want to be nearby, so they all pre-purchase in the same area. Okay. Well, that brings up. See, my mum and dad, they're they're out there in, in uh, East Geelong, and they're in the same same grave or sorry you know with the same site does all that yeah. do all these things taken into account or how do you how do people get to talk about that because it's something that yeah people find it a bit squeamish or a bit bit out there don't they it's not so much now i i think probably back when you're when i don't know how long ago it was when your parents were, were buried but it, it probably wouldn't have been discussed with with you at that point, whether you wanted to purchase a grave, you know, close by, whereas today it, it most likely would be. So you would be made more aware of, of, of your options today than what you perhaps would have been, um, you know, even 10 years ago. 
So I think you know, that it, it certainly it is certainly more discussed today than what it, than what it ever has been. So, um, and I think through you know, discussions like this, um, it, it helps it helps destroy some of the uh, taboos and myths and so forth um, surrounding it. You know, it, as you said, it's inevitable. There's death and taxes that are going to happen, um, and um, you'll pay uh, you'll pay your taxes before you uh, before the other one happens. So, but it's yeah it the the more of these types of discussions happen publicly, um, the the, you know, the the better it will uh, it will become, and the more acceptable it will become for families to talk about these things as well. With you, Naomi, you're in the situation at Adam Cara where it's well, a lot of it is palliative and a lot of it's respite and you are dealing with the elderly. How, how is Adam Cara handling all of this? Uh, so we actually care for people of all ages. Um, at current stage, uh, the youngest uh, regular visiting guest is around the age in the mid-20s. Um, but certainly everyone that comes to Anamkara generally has a chronic life-limiting condition. Um, they can be at any point after their diagnosis though. So they, um, it can be, uh, you know, quite some time before it's expected that they might pass away. But we really work to um, help people feel comfortable talking about their healthcare and their personal um, beliefs around what they uh, want towards the end of the life, particularly about it. Um, our, our care model is very, very person-centred um, and really, we really try and ensure we support and advocate uh, for them in every way possible. Uh, so certainly we are there to help and support, facilitate um, conversation and right direction around where to find out more information if we don't know the answers ourselves. Right, you mentioned That's the religiosity of it basically too. Organisations like this alive, pardon. You mentioned the religiosity of it basically, a touch on that. Is that an important part of, well, you, from your aspect to it, Anamkara, as well as from the Cemetery's Trust? I'm opening that up to the floor, I guess. Certainly from our perspective, if it's important to the person, it's important to us. So if, if that person has a strong belief, um, we will do our best to help support and facilitate that belief system. Spirituality is a really core component of many people um, to varying degrees. Degrees, and so we'll do our best to support and our, our cemeteries trust it to talk about how they accommodate that. But that's how we do it at Anacara. The um, cemeteries trust, I guess, is very is very similar. I mean, um, depending upon normally, the families will choose if they're of a of a, of a, um, of a want to get buried in a in the, the Catholic section or the the Church of England. Um, the lawn section seem to be a, a, you know a, a more non-denominational areas, um, but that doesn't mean to say that they you know won't have some religious beliefs and. Uh, 
they express that through what motives they might have on their bronze plaque or what uh, inscriptions they may have on their headstones and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it is very, it's, in, it's very important from our point of view to cater for everybody's needs and uh, beliefs. Um, and we do our, our utmost to, to make sure that that happens. Yeah, this is going to sound, this is what I'm like, but I'm going to have to ask, we live in Heighton and they're starting to build two and three storey places and whatever else. You go from the lawn section to some of the other areas where you've got huge monuments. Are there restrictions or the restraints on what people can and can't have in terms of the monuments to the left and your discussions that go with that and dealings with people who make all the headstones and the grandiose things that people um, seem to get buried in. Mean, you know, not, not Taj Mahal's, but I think, you, can you understand where I'm coming from? Because there must be yeah. some. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, depending upon which cemetery, um, we take that into consideration more. Um, for instance, where you are up in Heighton at our, at our Barrable Hills Cemetery at Heighton, then any, any new monuments that go in up there, um, we take into consideration the surrounding monuments so that, you know, the cemetery still maintains its integrity and it still, uh, it still looks like it does at the moment without, you know, overpowering all the other headstones around it. But then you come out to the Eastern Cemetery, uh, for instance, um, in some of our newer areas, and they have full chapel monuments and, uh, and so forth there. There is a there is a height of I think it's about twenty two point one um, that it, that they go up to, but it's all to do with engine, how they're engineered um, and the computations and so forth. Because we have to be very careful, obviously, of what's built in our cemeteries. They're going to be there for a very long time, um, so they need to be built with the structural integrity that they're going to last for a long time and not become a uh, a health hazard for uh, for those that visit the cemeteries in the future. I knew that had to be taken into account. And that, as we're broadcasting in the Kyle Otway area, I doubt you're not, or the Geelong Cemeteries Trust, uh, you're being ba basically the spokespeople spokes for the Dying to Know Day. What areas do you cover? And do all areas, uh, if you don't cover Kyle Otway, do they come under the same sort of guidelines? We do, we do cover the Colac Otway. We uh, we look after four cemeteries down in the Colac Otway now. We've got Colac, um, Worrell, Worrell, Biak, and we've just taken over the Yorga Cemetery, which is effectively in forest. So, and all of those cemeteries, we take into consideration with the monumentation of those cemeteries. We take into consideration what's the, what's existing there at the moment, so that it, yeah, they just maintain their integrity. Um, we also look after the cemetery in Gisborne, um, and once again, you know, that's a different community, a different cemetery, but you know, the integrity of the cemetery must be maintained because it's a community asset. We might manage it, but we only manage it for the community. So we've got to be very mindful that we keep um, that we keep the cemetery you know, you know, the way that uh, it is for the community, the way they want it too. In looking after the cemeteries themselves, you're looking after the actual land as in ensuring the roads and accesses are okay, but what about allocations and also the records of where people have been buried historically and how far back do they go and how do they get recorded currently? 
Okay, we're, uh, we've got a fairly sophisticated computer system now that, as you would imagine, that we, uh, that we look after our, all of our records and those of the older cemeteries have all been placed over onto, the, onto our CRM or a computer system as well. Um, so it's not so much paper-based anymore as it is computer-based and with that comes um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of thought um, goes into the backup so that you know, they are there forever. Um, as is a requirement of the, of the cemeteries in, in, particularly in Victoria, a cemetery is a cemetery forever in Victoria. It's not a hundred years or two hundred years; it is there forever. So whatever we do must be on a platform that these records or whatever we do uh, can be maintained uh, in perpetuity. So, um, with the roadways and so forth, you know, when we do any any construction works within our cemetery, we we do it with the um, I suppose front of mind being that, that, that anything we do has got to last for a very long time. So it's it's done prop properly to start with, um, and hopefully, uh, therefore, the maintenance will not be uh, too great into the future. And in perpetuity, is that also like for the person who's buried there? Is that the the person's and the family property? Yeah, then they don't own the property, they own the rights to be buried on it because it's Crown land. Um, but yes, if you're buried in a grave, you're there forever. Um, with cremation memorialisation, you have the option to, under the Act, uh, you can purchase something for 50 years or you can, per or you can purchase it in perpetuity. So that's a, an option that the family has at the time. And this is all the stuff you go through. And actually, you're a big part of it still. But we've been having a yarn there for about 20 minutes. So I think it's time we had a break. And I didn't know whether, whether Naomi mentioned to you about we have, have a little bit of music, Daryl. But I was thinking something out of Monty Python mightn't even be too bad. But anyway, it's up to you guys. It's up to you guys to think of a track for us to put on while I, well, I, I just let people know that we are, we're talking with Daryl Thomas and Ashley Hoy from the Geelong Cemeteries Trust. And well, Naomi, what are we calling you today? We're, Naomi Latiri is here with us as well, but she's here on behalf of Anamkara House who are auspicing. Is that the correct word I'd be saying that you're auspicing Dying to Know Day in the Colac and Otway area for 2020? Well, I wouldn't say quite auspicing, but um, certainly promoting. You're promoting. <laughs> we want to open the conversations. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, so I'm the community liaison there. Yeah. Okay. Well, so looking with us, Edwina and Greg on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast, and we're going to have a little break. And we'll be back with you shortly. Welcome back to Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry here today where we've just listened to Neil Diamond and a song called Red Red Wine that was chosen by, well, the CEO of, of the Geelong Cemeteries Trust, Daryl Thomas, who's sitting in the boardroom with Ashley Hoy, the EA, and uh, in Colac, or no, in Ballarat, we've got sitting, we're all on Mottawa on country. We've got Naomi Latiri who's who's here and has basically set up this Zoom meeting where we can connect socially and talk about, well, dying to know day. So welcome back all. Naomi, over to you, I reckon, because uh, you, you're the one who initiated all this and I think it's, 
It's a bit time you took over the whole show anyway with the amount of time you spent here on 98.3 and 88.7 FM in Colac. I just had a thought. I just had a thought, Naomi. I was thinking, what's the most popular song at funerals? Is there a most popular song for a funeral? It would be be a toss-up between uh, "Wind Beneath My Wings" and "Amazing Grace." I think so. Um, they would be the, the the two most popular ones even today. I think. I think the red red wine attitude's better. We're going to have another going out song. We need something a little bit with a bit of warmth thing. So I reckon Ashley should be dubbed in to pick out one before we, when we go out. So there, there, that's the last I'm going to say on nope. <laughs> No pressure, Ashley. No pressure, Ashley. Uh, that'll be fine. Um, I guess it would be really useful, I think, to talk a little bit around how you guys down at the Geelong Cemetery Trust involve the local communities that are uh, where the cemetery is located and how you involve them in, the, in, in their cemetery in their local zone. Okay, yep. We have, uh, under the Act, we have to have community advisory committees. So fortunately, um, these work really well for us. Um, as I said before, we, we're in the Geelong, Ballerine and uh, Borough of Queenscliff. Uh, we, we manage the cemeteries in those areas. We also manage the Gisborne Cemetery which is another region. And then we've got the Colac Otway and Surf Coast region, um, which, are, which are another two. So um, what, we, what we have done um, in the past, we had, um, we had Geelong Ballerine um, as one community advisory committee. We had the Borough of Queenscliff as one. Uh, we had Colac Otway and the Surf Coast as two on their own as well. Um, and wasn't too far into the process when they all amalgamated together. So we have um, 11 people on the community advisory committees and they're just, they are people, they might have been on the cemetery trust prior to us taking on the management of them, or they might be just people that are really interested in the community about the way their cemetery is run and what's, what happens in it and so forth. So that has been a really good way of um, getting our message across to the community as a whole. One of their most important jobs is getting us out in the community when we're allowed to again um, and doing presentations to community groups. Um, and that might be uh, Provis or um, it might be the Rotary Clubs, might be the... Um, uh, the, the heritage um, um, committees and so forth in, in the townships as well. So whatever whatever community group there there are that's around that would like to hear more about what Geelong Cemeteries Trust does and how it does it and why it does it and so forth. Um, even just finding out that you know that we are we've got nothing to do with council. We're actually completely you know run um, independently. Uh, we don't get any funding from the government. We run as a business. Um, we get to pay 3% of our gross income back to the government um, in the form of a levy each year, and that's to be dispersed out to uh, smaller cemeteries in, in regional and rural Victoria. 
to help with some of the projects that they may need to undertake in their specific cemeteries, fences, roadways, whatever. So um, uh, we don't we don't um, have land given to us for cemeteries. We've also got to go out and purchase our own land and then develop it as 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 a cemetery. So um, it's yeah, a lot of people don't understand how how cemeteries are, are run and funded and so forth. So it's, it's it's just even a good opportunity to be able to go out and talk to communities about that, but also to get their feedback on they might wonder why something doesn't happen in their cemetery and sometimes it's because no one's thought of it or sometimes it's because we just can't physically do that in the cemetery so uh, there's there's lots of great feedback that we get from communities by going out and uh, and talking to them and presenting to you also have to do a fair amount of liaison with undertakers and such too daryl uh, funeral directors, we, we have a very good relationship with our, with our funeral directors, both in Geelong and, and in our regional areas as well. Um, we're very fortunate we're in, in the areas, certainly in the areas that we manage, um, the communities get looked after very well by the, by the, uh, the quality of the funeral directors that we, uh, that we have. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're good. We, we have a, uh, a get together with them once a year, a funeral director forum, whereby we can we tell them what we've been doing over the, the 12 months at all of our funerals. Um, and they get to give us some feedback on what we are doing well, what we might not be doing well, um, and what they would like to see us do. So that's that's very good. We also do that with, um, with celebrants. We have uh, funeral celebrants. We have a, uh, a forum with them annually as well. And once again, to let them know what we're doing within our cemetery so that they can inform the, uh, the families that they're doing services for um, about, about what's available, what services are available, what they can do that's, it might be a little bit different or something like that. So yeah, these, these types of forums and informa information sessions are, uh, are invaluable just to get information out there about what, what the cemeteries are doing. And um, yeah, it's, and it works well and it keeps relationships built between us, um, the celebrants, the funeral directors and the communities that we're, uh, that we're serving. So it's great. There can be, uh, when I say conflict, I don't want to call so the, with the with a funeral itself, quite often people are, well, the people react differently at, at funerals and such. The trust itself, uh, do they have uh, people who are sensitive on site? With a, I don't know. This is a probably a silly question, but is it up to undertakers and that? Because quite often people are heavily affected by the fact that they're at a funeral. They may be left alone or whatever else. Um, yeah. there or how does that all get handled? Um, by by and large, we we have we have a person at at every one of our funerals um, that uh, that supervises what's happening on the grounds of our of our cemetery while while the families and the funeral directors are there. By and large, as I said before, the funeral directors have a relationship with these families. They know um, they know them fairly well by the time they, they get to the cemetery, and uh, they usually uh, are aware of uh, of any issues um, and things that we might need to look out for. So that's discussed with uh, with our person on the ground. Um, of course, at the moment, 
um, with only 10 people allowed at a funeral, that doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, allow for us to get into too much trouble, unfortunately. And that's, that is, you know, a, a, a really sad part about what we're going through at the moment. I mean, COVID-19's got lots of sad uh, parts about it, but only families having to be um, restricted to 10 people at a funeral must be very, very difficult for them. I think it is very sad. Um, I, I also think that there are ways of doing it. You can have drive, you can have people standing at a distance, having drive-bys, you know, things like that. And you have to, we have to learn to be creative, I think, in hard times. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, go on, go on, I was just going to say, I think, um, you know, particularly in relation to funerals now, um, video casting funerals has become something that's happening more frequently. I'm not sure whether that also extends to the burial as well, does it, as in your experience, Daryl? We, we have webcasting out at our crematorium chapel um, and, that, and our new function centre that we've just finished out there, and that's, that, that's quite... A successful way of doing. We, the funeral. So there's some of the funeral directors that can do it at, at graveside. The problem is with technology, is it will it, it will let you down when you least want it to. And once you take it outside and and make it mobile, it's 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 you know probably a little a little risky at this point. I'm sure as time goes on, it will become more stable with the 5G coming in and everything like that. So it'll be a lot better. But uh, that's certainly been a, a godsend uh, for, for families in, in this time, that at least you can have the webcasting. It can include more people. We are talking about um, making Zoom funerals um, available as well so that people can actually, on a webcast, you can't interact from the other end. But in, in something like a Zoom, um, we, you would be able to deliver a eulogy from anywhere. Um, so I think that's something we're looking into at the moment, and how we might be able to make that, uh, how we might be able to make that work. I think it's been a time where you can look outside the square, and people overseas can't always come over for a funeral. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, well, it, it, it was all put together, of course, because, you know, families yeah, are a bit nervous now and, and apart. Um, but now all of a sudden we find that, you know, even if you live in the same street, you can't attend the funeral. So um, um, it's become a lot more, uh, the usage has become a lot, a lot higher on it. And the amount of people that are engaging in the webinars, um, the numbers have gone up on, on those considerably, whereby you might, you might have got maybe 10 people on a, on a webinar before now we're now we're we're experiencing you know in the 60s of people that, uh, that will be on that webinar for a funeral so it certainly uh, opened up another uh, another option for people from a management point of view daryl you're the ceo so i dare say you do a fair amount of delegating which means that ashley would be quite often more at the the coal face <laughs> dealing with, dealing with people problem, who, are, problem. who are at that level. How many other will actually have? What is it like dealing with this issue on a regular basis for yourself? And do you have other people? How many other people work within that type of environment? 
So we've got 36 staff, yeah, 36 staff, um, 10 people indoors here at Eastern Cemetery. Um, you've got three customer service consultants and two admin officers being part of that. Um, so they tend to deal with the clients more than myself. Um, I don't really deal with them anymore. I used to, um, but not anymore. Um, I just back them up if I need to. Does it take a special person? Uh, yeah, it does. It takes somebody that's compassionate. Like, you can't just put anybody in that position, um, which is something that we do look for when hiring. Um, and they've got to fit into the team, obviously. So, yeah. So for people, they arrive, they're, they're going to be coming along and it's not exactly happy days we're talking about. So they've come along. So what, what happens? Do we contact you on the phone or...? Do we pop along to the, the trust building and say, you know, good day. I'm here to talk about, well, not maybe about me, but about grandma or whatever. Uh, what do yeah, I do? People what happens? People pre-paying, they tend to call um, and make an appointment to find out, you know, what they need to do. But um, for ATNE, which people that have passed away, they get contacted by us. So we contact them for about five to 10 days after the funeral. Um, followed that's by a letter, followed up by a phone call um, to make an appointment to discuss final resting places a bit further. Okay, can I ask if you're seen as discount? No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Naomi, I'd better pass it back to you. <laughs> no, they're all re really relevant questions. Um, I think it's really good to know a little bit more about the inner workings of um, Geelong Cemeteries Trust um, and how people can get in touch. So if someone wanted to pre-arrange a funeral, um, either to you or Ashley or Daryl, um, after they call, what, what else is involved? What other paperwork or other things do they need to do? Um, well, it's it's all a bit different at the moment, Naomi. Um, previously, you would ring and make an appointment, and one of our customer service staff would uh, greet you in our reception at East Eastern Cemetery or down at our Colac office, um, and go through all the options and so forth. Um, now that's not so easy with the COVID situation. Um, we're not making appointments for people to come into our office. If we're going to do something like that, we would do it out in the grounds now. Um, but yeah, it, it is still ring, make an appointment, um, and uh, and then our customer service staff will uh, will take you through what uh, what your wants are um, and then make suggestions as to uh, as to, to what products we have that would uh, that would suit what uh, what the family um, requirements are so um, but it's just uh, yes it's just very difficult at the moment to um, you know to to the service I guess that we're that we're used to providing to families it's just making it a little more trying for our customer service staff um, but, you know, we're uh, we're only one business that's uh, that's going through through this type of thing. There's many others out there that are far far worse off than us. Mm, certainly, it's challenging times, isn't it? For challenging the way we communicate to challenging how we conduct ourselves in public spaces and masks and not being 
how to see facial expressions or you know so yeah. it's a big part of communication isn't it not just the, not just the verbal communication we do but also all the other um, physical elements of communication um, it sounds like uh, COVID-19 has had a, an effect on all of us I think in many different ways um, before we started talking, uh, we were on on our recording. We were talking a little bit about the longer term effects of COVID nineteen on um, grief and bereavement, and we had a bit of a chat about um, what kind of things your team does uh, after a burial, uh, just and, and the relationship that you might have with um, people that are using a particular cemetery in the region. Would you touch on that just a little bit, guys, from the uh, Daryl, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, no problem. Um, we we support um, some bereavement services around uh, the Geelong area, and they operate down in the Colac Colac Otway area as well. But Hope Bereavement is uh, is certainly uh, um, one group that we that we support, as well as Compassionate Friends in Geelong as well. Um, you've got the Australian Centre for Grief and Bereavement also, but um, a lot of the funeral directors also offer. Um, these types of services to families um, prior to them coming to us. Um, so hopefully by the time they come to us to, to talk about memorialisation, they have been put in contact with uh, the help that they, that they need. Um, but if, if they haven't and if they express that to one of our staff, um, then we certainly have brochures that, uh, that we give to them. We don't we don't provide a counselling service. We're not qualified to do that, but we're certainly, um, our people are certainly trained in in acknowledging uh, if somebody does need a little helping hand and uh, we can point them in the right direction for sure. One other thing that a lot of people get into nowadays is with their ancestry.com and all that sort of thing. So do you ever get much call or does people looking for and trying to find grave sites and all that sort of thing from putting there, their... There, yeah, there is, Greg. Um, fortunately, today, because of our, um, you know, our, our amazing computer system and websites and so forth, we, a lot of that can be done online. Now, um, you know, we have to see search on our on our cemeteries, and you can put a name in and search all um, and any cemetery, any of the 21 that we administer. If that name is in one of them, then you'll get that information. You can also print out a plan off the website of where that grave is in the cemetery, which is um, um, which is you know, a great help. Getting a uh, getting a grave number in a cemetery is not a great help unless you've got a map to go with it, because the eastern cemetery is you know close enough to 100 acres, so uh, one number in here doesn't mean much to you. So um, we we get most of that, and especially at the moment, if if people are wanting to do any searching like that, then they have to do it online, because um, we're not um, yeah we're we're not having. Uh, people in the office at the moment to uh, to do those types of things. Okay, but it's quite easy for people to do, and then the locations and locators are all quite clearly marked. Yeah, they're, they're pretty they're pretty good. Um, you still need to be able to navigate your uh, your way around the cemetery because people don't. Um, our cemeteries weren't all laid out at the same time, all the old cemeteries, so the numbering system can jump around, hence why we have 
these specific maps, there's three specific photographs on it. It's within the cemetery, then it's within the section, and then it's within the row. So um, they're, they're, they're pretty good, um, but yeah, not infallible either. Actually, actually, I was looking for an ancestor and um, I actually could not find it because it was in an unmarked grave. And the guy at the cemetery, I asked him and he found it for me and he said, this would be the site and he put a cross on it. And he said, back in that time, they wouldn't have had the money. It was a poor time. And they that is why the grave is probably unmarked. Is that the case? Oh, look, there could be a number of, there could be a number of, uh, of, of reasons why it's unmarked. Um, you know, the family, yes, or the monument, the monument may have, you know, disintegrated over, over time and it's been removed because it was unsafe. So there's, you know, yes, you can speculate what might have happened, but uh, the, the, the truth of it is uh, yeah, in there somewhere. Okay. So the, it is up to the family to support and maintain the monuments and or the the person or their family grave. That's yeah, that's correct, Greg. Um, we don't own the monuments; the, the families do, and their and their ancestors going down the line. So, what our job is is to make them safe in the cemetery. We will try and contact families if we if the monument needs work because it's unsafe. Um, if we can't contact the families, uh, then we, we will make the monument safe. And sometimes that, you know, unfortunately may mean dismantling the headstone and laying it down on the grave, which is, which is sad um, to have to do, but to keep, uh, to keep everybody safe, it's, it's necessary. Um, but if we can contact the families and they have the means, um, then it's nice to see the, the monument uh, refurbished and, uh, and keeping the, the history uh, of, of that family um, intact. As part of history, I must admit, I've, I'm not a veteran myself, but I was conscripted. It's, we've just recognised or remembered Long Tan Day, which is Vietnam Veterans Day. You would also be involved with war graves or have to be involved with war graves and the maintaining of their um well the sacredness of that and their plaques and such yeah, war graves actually maintain all of their own all of their own plaques and monuments in all the cemeteries that they put them into um they are yeah, a wonderful bunch of people they have contractors that come down and they re refurbish the plaques uh they clean down the, the monuments and the headstones and so forth they do a fantastic job um, about the about the best we do for uh, for recognition is our Anzac flag Memorial Day uh, um, down at uh, the Colac and the Colac Otway cemeteries. So, um, which unfortunately couldn't go ahead this year, but that is a real spectacle. Um, for a week before and a week after Anzac Day, we had about twelve hundred flags out on return service personnel on on the graves in those cemeteries. And it's not just a little flag; it's on a it's on a, um, a 1.8 metre pole, um, and it's a 300 300 full size flag. Yeah, full, full size flag. So um, it really is a spectacle uh, to go through the Colac cemeteries on Anzac Day, and or just either side. Uh, we have lots of schools go through there, which is which is even more important. Uh, we get the Colac Secondary College involved in helping us put the flags out, so that they 
get an appreciation and an understanding of, uh, of just how many returned service personnel they have in their own areas down there. So, um, and that was that was an idea that came uh, from the from our staff down at the Colac Cemetery, and um, they went around and counted up as many returned service numbers that they could, and they come up with about three hundred and forty six. Um, so then when we started the flag, everyone came out of the woodwork and said, well, my grandfather was, so if you can give us a, a number, um, uh, then we'll put the flag on there. So now we have, yeah, we have in excess of 1,200 flags in that cemetery now. So that's, that's, the best part about, yeah, well, the best part about that is it, there are all that many more people now that get acknowledged um, as having served. Um, as opposed to just the you know the 350 or so that we that we that we thought in the first place, so it's uh, it's it's been tremendous. Good on you. Um, fabulous. We're about. I think it's about time we wound up, and so we're looking at. We'll wait for Ashley to come up with the name of the song we're going to play to go out with. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fabulous talking with you. It's a, it, yeah, it's something we all need to talk about, and. Um, there are lots of other things that people can find out by contacting you and also Absolutely. by talking to you guys, Naomi. Yes, um, I think it's probably important to share uh, both our own details and uh, the Geelong Cemetery Trust details for the listeners that might be out there that want further information or perhaps want to contact you about being involved in the Community Advisory Commission Committee as well. Daryl, I'm not sure how people go about doing that, but that might be something that's of interest to someone out there in the community as well who has a particular interest. Yep, absolutely. No, they can uh, they can let us know through our info um, email at uh, Geelong, so it's info at gct.net.au. Um, they can certainly let us uh, let us know if they are interested in in being a part of that or just any information that they uh, that they would like. Um, that's the best way to contact us. Yes, and us at Adam Carr, if anyone wants to get in touch or know a bit more information about what we can do to help support people, um, our, our phone number is 0352338203, and we can also be contacted via our website, which is www.adamcarrhousecollect.org.au, and also we're on Facebook if anyone wants to look us up there. Okay, well, we'll put all that information up. I'll actually ask you to send it through to me to make sure I get everything covered to put it into the blog for the podcast that we'll put up. And um, okay. yeah, I thank you once again for, well, firstly, I'd better thank you again for uh, me being a bit, or Edwina and I being a bit late with our uh, getting together with you today, Daryl, and also Ashley, but we finally made it. And uh, thank you very, very much, Naomi, for being the well coordinating the whole thing. Yeah, thanks, Naomi. No right. problem. Thank you. Thank you again, Daryl, Ashley, and Naomi. We've been talking about dying to know day, which is uh, well, we're talking about it's actually happens every year now, and we'll have another yarn about it next year. That sounds really good, and we're grateful. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on 98.3 here in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast. It's been Greg and Edwina on Community Connect. we talk again with you next week. All the best and cheers. Cheers, guys, and thank you very much. We'd like to remind people that for the COVID testing at the Neighbourhood House, 23 Miller Street, Colac, you give it a call on 52 
0800-322-5402 to register and to be able to organise yourself to go in there. And now it's closed on weekends, but it will be open Monday to Friday from 9.30am to 3pm. And there's also a mobile testing clinic that is on as we're talking to you now. And it'll be running until 2 o'clock at the Birrigara Mechanics Hall. So uh, once again, you, you can go there and just register on the day. You just go there today and be tested for COVID-19. So remember, if you've got any symptoms, please be tested and keep your social distance and ensure that you bring your Medicare card with you when you go to be tested. We will talk to you again next week. All the best from Greg and Edwina. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station.